Hello. Welcome to the Cellar Door Society. I'm James. I'm recording this after my vacation since I wasn't able to uh, sit down with Ashley and Jacob and record uh, the previous episode with them. So I decided to uh, do a mini episode with uh, the team's permission. It's about where we stayed, actually. The Hotel Teatro. This building has quite a history, but not too many uses when you consider how old it is. Originally built for the Denver Tramway Company, commissioned by the Evans family in 1909, it was finished being built in 1911. A two-story building was also added for storage of the train cars, or tram cars. Uh, This was placed behind the Hotel Teatro. Uh, The building was passed to the University of Colorado in the 1950s, and then during the 1980s, the university moved on and the building sat unoccupied. During the 1990s, the building was bought and turned into the luxury hotel that it is today. The car house, or the car barn as it was called, uh, was sold to the Performing Arts Center here in Denver, and it was uh, turned into a museum. It's actually the Forney Museum of Transportation, I believe is what it's called. It's a pretty cool spot. It also holds a historic preservation status, so this building will be maintained and look original as long as possible. Um, And it was also designed by uh, two very prestigious architects at the time who used very uh, bright colors as red terracotta and white granite on the outside with specially blended terrazzo floors and concrete mixes inside of the building to give it a modern look back in the early 1910s. This place was really cool. Um, If anybody paid attention to the Instagram, you probably saw some clues over the weekend or some uh, photos that I put up. Really fun place to stay. Highly recommend it. Uh, But there is some fun paranormal history to this place as well. It's not just a cool building. While it's beautiful and is now used as a place of relaxation and, you know, enjoyment, it does have a touch of a dark side. During the 1920s, there was a huge strike between the tramway employees and the Denver Labor Board or the Colorado Labor Board, basically the government. Uh, The laborers, the employees wanted higher wages, and the government didn't want to do that, so they went on strike. Hard to say, uh, going through newspaper articles, when exactly the strike started and ended, but it started roughly sometime in January of 1920, and it went all the way into the summer at some point with various different meetings and uh, strike breakers. Actually, uh, federal soldiers had to get involved um, in all of that. So with this strike, it was always around the tramway building or the car barn, and by the end of all of this, seven people were killed, and many, many more were injured. There were often shootings in large crowds, or there would be uh, gunfire at tramways. Eventually, it got so bad that the building had to be guarded by armed personnel and trams be escorted by armed personnel when going around the city. So this led to a lot of violence and a lot of uh, heavy burdens on this building and around this building, and especially the people in it. If they knew people that were getting hurt or they were scared, can really provide a huge catalyst for a lot of paranormal activity when there's that much trauma. It's said to be haunted by at least two known spirits. There's probably more, but two known ones. One of them is an older woman who I wasn't able to find a lot of accurate history on. I mean, there's some lore out there that she was 
she lived in the building before it was bought, and then when she was kicked out, um, she committed suicide, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if that's true. It's just like what the internet has to say about it, but there is supposedly an older woman who kind of stays in the building still, a spirit that is. And then there's also this other character called the Tool Man, uh, the reason why he's called the Tool Man is because a lot of people have seen an apparition of a man dressed in uh, mechanics-type clothing carrying a toolbox around the hallways. If you try to reach out, if you try to talk to him, if you try to uh, follow him or anything like that where there's a big interaction, it disappears. The spirit, the apparition, disappears, and so no one's really been able to get any information on him because apparently he doesn't want to share a lot, doesn't like to talk to people. There are also a lot of other reported paranormal things that I read through some reviews of the hotel and then also just looking through different uh, newspaper articles. One person said claimed that their balcony door was opened uh, when they used all the locks on it and everything, but it was opened except for the chain, and some people have heard disembodied voices at night, Things have been reported to move around the hotel. Staff have reported things moving around the hotel. So some poltergeist activity, uh, but overall positive experiences. No one's had any, it's not like, uh, you know, the Stanley. Yeah, this was just a mini episode, folks, so stay tuned. Uh, I would love to do a more in-depth episode and bring some really cool sources to light and dive more into the history of this place. I mean, it's a over a hundred year old building built and not used by many people, which is a hard thing to come by. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate everybody out there and all the listeners tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this short story and uh, be sure to check us out on Instagram, the Cellar Door Society, and hit us up online. Um, and you can also email us at knock at the or excuse me, knock at the cellar door at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us a message on Instagram. I'm happy to chat and answer anybody's questions. So thank you so much. I hope everybody has a phenomenal day, night, morning, whatever they're going to. This was James signing out. Welcome back to another episode of the Cellar Door Society. This is Jake. I'm Ash. James is not here this week. He is out in the field doing some investigative research uh check out the instagram he does have some posts and photos going up about this you probably heard at the start of the episode as well james laid down a little mini mini intro to what's going on where he's at and uh, we recommend you checking out the instagram for some more info yeah this episode is going to be a little bit different as well it's going to be a little bit more conversational than anything else um it's kind of ash and i just hanging out chatting about our history with magic where we got started kind of our learning journey and where we are now we're also recording over discord so if the audio is a little bit weird we apologize the uh, weather got a little bit gnarly last night so it's a remote session today yeah i have a little bit of a cold so i apologize for the sniffles my dogs are also in here so if you hear any odd mouth noises it's the dogs so yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to uh, chat with you more about this. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I know we've talked off air, so to speak, a little bit about it, but I don't think we've really had a, a deep session of of kind of uh, unraveling some of that. I guess I'll I'll just I'll get started by asking, 
I'd love to ask, where did it all start for you as far as where was, where were the first whispers or inclinations that uh, you wanted to research or engage in this world of magic? And that could be for our listeners, when Ash and I are saying magic, I guess maybe let's start, Ash, by defining, well, what does magic mean for you? Oh, it's, I feel like magic is so ambiguous, but for me, it's just like the practice of being intentional um, with what what I want, what I'm doing, um, and using some tools that the earth provided for me as kind of ways to facilitate that. Um, it's also, it's changed for me a lot throughout the years. So now I guess I do some more ceremonial stuff, like celebrating the seasons, just kind of whatever feels good to me in the given moment. What does it mean for you? I guess if I had to steal from Alistair Crowley, he said, or he was quoted to say, uh, magic is the art and science of conforming one's reality to one's will, essentially. I'm paraphrasing that. It's not verbatim. And that's kind of how I approach it. I think when I say magic, I, I look at it as a process or a, it could be ritualistic, it could be more instinctual. But something that's outside of the quote-unquote norm, <clears throat> something that's within, it's an intention expressed upon the world around you. So it's uh, saying, you know, I want this to change and changing that within yourself and seeing it change outside of yourself also is, I guess, at the grand scale of it. I think it is all-encompassing, kind of like you said. It is kind of a catch-all. But I think it's also supposed to be. I don't think there's any right form of magic and i would say the only wrong forms of magic are ones that don't work for you i yeah. i would agree with what you said as well i do think that has changed for me over time when i first started magic was just i guess it was more of a a wishing for something different and now i look at it as a birthright for all of us yeah i think that's like one of the beautiful things about magic is I think no matter who you are, there's some avenue of it that might resonate with you. And it looks so vastly different for everyone. And I just like, I mean, it's really cool to find something that you can pick and choose from. Like, oh, I like this, but that doesn't really resonate, so I'm not going to do that. And there's no, like, pressure. Like, oh, you're bad at it if you don't do this. You know, you just do what works for you. Yeah, I found a lot of comfort in that as well, being able to say i don't really vibe with doing it that way and having the liberty of saying okay well then let's just let's do it a different way whether that's one you make up or another systems method of accomplishing something yeah one of the reasons i think i got into magic was i had a bit of religious trauma and i felt really confined by that religion so finding something that really encouraged me to be myself and that wasn't I don't know, so cluttered with rules. I found that super liberating. And I just think I grew a lot more as a person once I started incorporating that into my life. And I want to touch on a, a point there with the rules. How do you feel? Because I guess when it when it comes to magic and rules, do you feel like there are rules that apply to magic or that there are uh, universal truths or axioms that one must adhere to with magic? The one kind of rule that I've decided to adopt is just to not use it as a way to 
cause harm onto others, um, to just use it in a positive way. But I do know that there are some people who, with their magic, I don't know, like they'll hex people or, <laughs> you know, wish bad ill onto others. So I don't think that's a universal one, but that's one that I prefer to live by. Yeah, I think the universe pretty plainly shows that you, you kind of give what you, you get what you give, rather. I feel like that is probably the most important rule to follow. And, you know, I was raised religious as well, and I think that the golden rule, I think, applies universally. Um, it was probably one of the, the, the best things I, I took out of that religion, even though I didn't often see it practiced. Um, it was a good way to live your life, even if you weren't going to engage in the religious aspects, just to treat others like you want to be treated. I think it's just a good way of doing things because you put out to the universe like, hey, this is how this is how I want to be treated. Right. And yeah, you're going to have outliers. But by and large, I feel like if you approach if you approach things with the intention of, you know, this is what I'm hoping to get out of it. I think you get that, whether that's negative or positive. Yeah, I really agree with that. It is kind of interesting how like we were taught that. And then I felt like the older I got, the more I noticed that it didn't really seem to be practiced. And it's just like a bunch of disconnects that I noticed. Like I just, I think a, a lot of the people that I personally was around were not doing a good job of, I don't know, translating that into their lives, which was just really confusing. Like I, I just be like transparent about who you are. Yeah, it seemed like it was something for the children. And then if you were an adult, then you could just do your thing because you knew on Sunday you were uh, absolved. And I guess I should say to listeners, you know, this isn't actually, and I obviously have our own opinions about religion, but ultimately this, the Cellar Door Society is a safe place for everybody. If you're a devout Christian and you are listening to the podcast and you extract value or entertainment or anything, you know, we welcome you. You know, we want you to be a part of that. Uh, by no means is this uh, meant to disparage or any anything like that to anyone anyone else uh, or anyone's religion. But these are our yeah. opinions, and uh, you know, we've we've had experiences. Yeah, and yeah. Just because my own personal experience was negative doesn't mean that that's everyone's experience. I know a lot of people, wonderful human beings, who have found so much like peace and meaning in their life when they find christianity and i think everyone deserves to have that that's not where i found it i found it elsewhere and i think you know everyone has the right to their own journey and you can't really control what brings you happiness and peace in this life so just yeah, absolutely be a good person and do what makes you happy so when you started your journey um, with magic, now that we've kind of defined that, what what did that look like for you? Were you was there any particular aspect or field that had interested you initially? <laughs> kind of silly. Um, I loved the Vampire Diaries in high school, <laughs> and there was Hell a yeah. there, All right. and I just thought it was so fascinating. Like that was the first time I had ever been introduced or seen any of that in media. Um, just because of my strict upbringing but I it just really resonated with me and then there's just like a lot of it's obviously not how it's portrayed in that so then I found it really interesting like this isn't what I thought it would be at all 
but I just thought, found it so beautiful. Mm. Um, I kind of got into like the traditional, like what is Wicca? I read a lot of books like about practicing in a coven, which is something that I have never done or really had any interest in doing. I prefer to just kind of do my own thing. But I guess I started out pretty like traditional, like the, I think it's Buckland has a book um, that kind of talked about like the traditional rites, how to set up set up your altar. And I did those things, but I, I just kind of felt like it was a bit too strict for me. Like I wanted something where I had a little bit more freedom, like when I did it. Yeah, it was just a little bit too much pressure. So then I kind of evolved into doing more, like celebrating the seasons and if there was something I wanted in my life, I'd do a little manifestation ritual or, you know, if there was something negative in my life, I would kind of work according to that. Um, so less structured, just more of like what I felt like I needed in that given moment. Gotcha. And I know you mentioned Buckland. Uh, that's a pretty big one. Same with like Lil Owen. How do you pronounce Yeah. That? I um, honestly don't know, but I <laughs> I know the name. <laughs> my uh, bookshelf is is covered with those. Uh, you had mentioned uh, covens. That's always been something, too, that's come up a lot with, with my research and studies. Yeah, I've had, I guess I've had conflicted, conflicted feelings. On one hand, I so deeply want to have a close group of friends or um, just close people to be able to really talk about the craft or to even practice together. Um, that's something I want, but I have my own fears and, and a lot of that can just stem from obviously myself. I, I feel like going into another coven, I fear I guess some of the same things with the rules, right? Yeah. I, I, I think it's want. something like you'd almost have to like start your own and kind of choose people that you know have a similar vision. That's kind of uh, what where I'm at with it anymore, where uh I've started to st- to start a short list, if you will, of people who might be interested in having a more, just like a meeting. It, you know, I think I might even not even call it a coven, right? I might even call it just like something, something else. But yeah, I, I feel like in numbers, there's just uh, more power there. Power yeah. numbers. I love like getting together with a group of friends and doing tarot card readings for each other. And just, I don't know, I, it's just really sweet to be able to connect with people over something like that and, you know, feel like you're helping each other grow a little bit and having that solidarity is really beautiful. I agree. I also feel like you can never, you can never fully shake the feeling of like, Ooh, we're, we're up to some, some witchy, witchy stuff behind closed doors. Like I love that feeling of mystery and, and ritual behind, uh, yeah practicing whether that's divination or or spell work or or any of that i kind of got my start my mom is kind of to blame here Uh, my my mom is really into arthurian lore so like king arthur the knights of the round table merlin things like that growing up my mom would always talk about these stories and um she's even her her name is named after a uh, Hindu river goddess. Growing up, I knew my mom just had a little little of the special stuff, you know? And I feel like every kid feels that. And I feel like every mom does have that. You know, for me, that happened to me. I got hooked on Merlin is basically all I can say. When, when my mom would start telling us these stories about 
And it was kind of weird because I have said I grew up in a religious household and now I'm saying my mom's talking about magic. And that was kind of a it was kind of a weird balance in the household where both my father and my mother really encouraged the use of imagination and encouraged reading as much as possible. And they wouldn't restrict too much of what we were reading. Obviously, if I was going for a book that was maybe maybe had subject matter that I wasn't ready for, my mom would censor that. But if I was going for a book about knights and dragons, she wouldn't mind that anymore if I happened to be going for you know, a book on David and Goliath. Um, religion was just something that we had in the house, but it was also okay to to look at some of these other things. It wasn't inherently the devil's work, if you will. I like that she nurtured that curiosity and kind of, I don't know, just allowed you to explore a little bit. Because I think, I don't know. I mean, I know there's people who identify as like Christian and also as a witch. So I think there are is a way for, you know, two things to go coexist. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a lot of Christians may not know that there's a, there's whole branches of Christian mysticism. The Hermetics, for example, they were an order that was predominantly Christian. I believe there were a couple Catholics in there as well, but predominantly Christian and they practiced magic and they were um pretty successful at doing so. And their source of magic was God. And there's there's systems around it. I, f- I feel like the loudest voices, though, are the ones who try and cite fear or confusion around the, su- the subject because of the, the ability to change your world and just change your life for the better. For it, 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 I guess it all comes down to it's the ability to get loose some of these chains of control and to live your life for yourself. And I think that frightens certain authorities because then they don't have that control over you anymore. Yeah, hey, I was just going to say, you're harder to control when you're kind of turning away from those things that are, I feel like, kind of put in place to keep you complacent. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, I think it's profoundly important for people to have something in their life that gives them a sense of peace when it comes to dying or just heavy matters. I think everybody should have something that you can turn to. Um, I think the, where it becomes a problem is when people say, well, if it's not this way, it's wrong. Or if it's not this way, when you die, you're going to the worst place you can imagine because you didn't do it our way. That's a problem. Um, Yeah. Especially when you're saying that to young children who I personally don't feel like have the capacity to fully process that in a way that's healthy. I would agree. And it's a, it's a huge, I mean, I remember even just as a kid in some of these like Sunday school groups and stuff, and we're talking, you know, like elementary school, you've got kids who are terrified of the idea of going to hell, right? And these are (laughs) elementary school children who now in their day-to-day life have this this new fear that's if I don't do everything right today or if I don't do it the right way, I'm I'm damned to an internal damnation. That's some heavy, I'm sorry, that's some heavy shit for a, a young mind to wrap their head around while also trying to just, you know, develop their own identity and sense yeah. of self. Like just let the kids be kids for a little longer. <laughs> like that's that's not something you should be worrying about. Like, go play with your dolls and stuff or whatever. 
Yeah, uh, yeah let, let them play with the dolls. and. Yeah, I know that, like, I have very distinct memories of feeling like, oh, there was a loved one in my life who didn't believe in God and just having this deep fear and sadness and anxiety that they were going to go to hell and, like, feeling some sense of responsibility that if I didn't act in certain ways that it would push them farther away from God and, yeah, just a lot of pressure and anxiety and, like, Ugh. Yeah, you start I, thinking, I like, didn't I'm like not going to see Uncle Tommy when we all die. And it's yeah. Like, Jeez, man. That's, uh, and how are you supposed to be okay with that? <laughs> right, yeah. So we've talked a little bit then about how, how you've started. What was your like learning journey like? Did you find yourself um, getting a lot of resources in local bookstores? Was it a lot of online learning, peer-to-peer? So I started with a lot of books. Um, I got a few workbooks that I filled out, um, just kind of like the basics. And I got a bunch of crystal books that I really like using crystals and stones and that type of thing. And then I also got like, it was a daily spell book. And it just had a daily quick little thing that you could do just to add a little bit of meaning to your life. Um, and that kind of made me more familiar with like what herbs are associated with different things and like what part of like the lunar phase you should do something in. Um, There's certain days that, you know, maybe have more meaning for like manifestation or getting rid of something. So yeah, I have multiple notebooks just filled with notes, little things that I took from all these books. And I had a lot of fun. I kind of felt like I was in school again, just <laughs> learning all these new things and like doing it on my own. I don't know. I really enjoyed my research process. And that's something that I feel like is going to be ongoing. I'm, I feel like I'm still finding new avenues to practice and new little things I want to learn about. So it's it's really fun that there's always something new to learn. Would you agree as you have read um, more and more books on the subject of magic that pretty quickly you can figure out which authors are full of fluff, quote unquote, and which aren't? Yeah. (laughs) There's something that seems kind of materialistic to me. Um, Or like maybe, I don't know. I'm just like, you're a little too too in the clouds, too wacky. Like. I'm not going to yeah. resonate with that. If you are telling me in your book that uh, you know you have it all figured out or this is the way it is for everyone, um, I just put the book down. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the moment you say you've learned it all, you're now the, the, not, you're for sure no longer anywhere close to the smartest person in the room. Um, that process should never stop and you should never feel like you've mastered it all because it it's it's constantly changing and you can only master it for yourself like that's a really at the end of the day yeah you, you can only do so much for yourself and you can share your experiences and things you've learned but you can't tell somebody this is if you do if you do it my way your life will be great because we can't we can't talk to somebody's external variables or you know it's not the same so um that's that's my always my biggest turnoff is when an author does that. Yeah, I feel like some of the first couple books I got into were kind of like that. They kind of made it seem like there was a right way to practice, which I wasn't the biggest fan of. 
Now, did you ever like look into, because I feel like for a lot of people at some point during the early research stages, topics of demons or other entities come up and working with those entities. Um, what was that like for you? Did, did you ever encounter any of that for yourself? Yeah, I had a bad, a bad experience with that. That's before I did a lot of good research on like what it actually was, I did some sketchy online research about working with entities and I did that and I feel like I maybe brought a demon out or something, just bad energy. I don't know. It was Do you feel weird. comfortable talking about that experience? Yeah. Um And if you don't was... uh, don't don't feel bad at all. I understand sometimes speaking about these things can even um, you know, agitate that energy. So only if you feel comfortable. No, I feel like I've dealt with it now. Um, but oh god, it was probably like my freshman year of high school, so it's been so long now. I don't remember the exact details. I know it was something I found just online on a site that looked not great. Um, I think I did something like involving my blood. Sure, that's pretty common. Yeah, and just talking to something dark and then after that i got really scared to go like into my basement which is where i did it and i felt like weird things were kind of happening i always felt like i was being watched there was what i believe to be like an entity in my room at one point like my dog noticed it and got really scared of it um then i did some cleansing things and it seemed to go away and i haven't had issues with it since i banished it but yeah, I learned after that, like, that's not something I really wanted to take part in. <laughs> it wasn't fun. Um, yeah, no, that does not, that does not sound like it was a good time at all. Uh, you said it was about freshman year? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's fair. I was uh, feeling really rebellious against my parents and my religion uh, that I was currently in at the time, so... Yeah, you, you live and you learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I have studied the subject. Um, I've studied it. I have, uh, at this point, not crossed the threshold of either invoking or evoking anything, um, purely because I don't personally believe I have the all the best defenses in place yet at this point in my life. And so um, that's been, honestly, if I probably had more drive in high school, I probably would have found myself in the same boat. Yeah, um, I was really trying to bring about some big changes for myself. (laughs) Yeah, Um, totally. Well, hey, that's a a way to do it. That's for sure. It sure sure was. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have grown to believe for myself personally i think a lot of i think when it comes to the subject of demons specifically i think ultimately what we're dealing with are entities that represent or are personifications of our of our own deep desires and emotions whether that's hatred or lust or jealousy i think those emotions are so strong and they're universal for every human being. We all experience these at some point or another. 
but I think they have the ability to present themselves in your life as um, whether it's manifestations or negative thought forms. And um, I think when we talk about, I think truly, if anyone is going to deal with demons, um, what we should be doing is looking at it more in a way of identifying aspects of your life that might be akin to this. Let's say you're somebody who struggles with um, greed. Uh, you're you're a really greedy person, right? Um, and maybe there is some fallout in your life because of that. It it might benefit you to look into um, banishing a demon of greed from your life because that would be a way to help, I guess, break that cycle in a way. Not to say the demon's causing the greed, but now you have this reinforced pattern in yourself. And so when you can associate something outside of the cycle to that, like, hey, this demon represents this this feeling of greed that I have in my life, and I'm trying to get rid of it. I'm trying to live my life without this feeling. Participating in a ritual like that where you can say, hey, now I've I've banished this demon or I've I've performed a binding spell to bind it away from me onto something, you know, that's not going to hurt anyone else, obviously. Uh, that, I think, it should be where research for demons comes into play. I think people try to use them to accomplish things uh, in their life, which I think there is some benefit to for some people, but I feel like the risks outweigh the rewards. Um, giving yourself to anything completely just can be risky, you know? Yeah. I like the idea of using that as a way to kind of like banish something negative about yourself um, to kind of like connect it to that. Because then it doesn't feel like I, you, it feels like it's the reverse now, right? Like now you're yeah. controlling it. Um, yeah, just trying to to switch up that power play. Were there um, any particular, I know we've talked about like tarot, so there's some divination, but were there any other particular uh, fields specifically in magic or um, branches that really called to you? You've had that episode on, on Wicca, obviously. Um, you know, yeah. What sort of stuff did you get involved with? Um, yeah, so I love tarot. I love my crystals. I like to... Um, find different herbs to harvest and use in things. Um, I think it's fun to like use like gardening as a way to practice magic. Um, one thing I really enjoy doing when I'm celebrating like the Sabbaths, the seasons, um, I like to cook a meal using like foods that correspond with that particular um, Sabbath. And I think that's really fun to just be mindful about like what you're cooking and put good energy into it. Um, yeah, that's. Do you, do you have a favorite, favorite herb right now that you work with? I love lavender. I feel like lavender is just good for the soul. Um, I use cinnamon a lot. Like if I'm trying to manifest like a, you know, a raise or something like that. Or like a job uh, offer. Yeah. <laughs> Manifesting that good stuff. <laughs> um, earlier you were talking about, uh, we were speaking about books and crystals. Um, let's start with books. Are there any books you would recommend our listeners check out? Like specifically titles or authors? 
Hmm. Um, I do have some. I don't have them handy right now, but that's something I can link. Um, maybe link a couple in the show notes. There is one book about crystals that I really enjoy. It kind of gives like a brief description of them, what they can be used for in healing. Some correspond to like different chakras. Chakras are another uh, the energies in your body I find really fascinating and. I think there's some good work, like good personal growth work that can be done with that. Like if you have a blockage in one of them um, and they have some like little manifestation things, some little crystal grids that you can do. Um, so that, yeah, that's been a fun resource for me and it's just aesthetically pleasing as well to look at. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, what about uh, any crystals? Do you have any favorites or any that you recommend? Yeah, um, I love clear quartz, um, just a great basic, good energy stone. Um, black tourmaline's good for getting rid of some bad energies. Rose quartz I like for a little self-love. Use an amethyst if I'm feeling anxious, just kind of like hold it in my hand and take some deep breaths. That's always helpful. Mm. Um, have you done much with crystals at all? Uh, yeah, I love... Uh... I love crystals. Um, we normally have some in the pillowcases when we sleep. Uh, stone yeah. too. I've noticed the dreams get really interesting when you do that. Um, for myself personally, I love amethyst also. Uh, one of my one of my favorite stones. Um, funny enough, uh, the stone of February, which I was just kind of uh, dogging on earlier. Uh, it is out <laughs> of love. It is out of love. Um, but amethyst, I I love. I love that stone. I love the grounding feeling it gives. It's um, probably one of my top three for sure. I also really, I find a lot of comfort in Tiger's Eye. Yeah. I have a uh, Tiger's Eye worry stone that I have in my pocket literally every day. I find myself pretty frequently just holding it and it's a very calming stone for me as well and it just makes me feel really connected to uh to loved ones and it's a powerful stone i like tiger's eye a lot tiger's eye was a stone that i never had really felt drawn to before but like in the past three months i've been gifted like a lot of tiger's eye um and i've really just enjoyed like wearing it i have a bracelet now that i really love um yeah i don't I feel like it's really good for my confidence and just helping me feel at home, like in my body. So I've been, yeah, it's been it, fun to get to know that stone a little bit better. It almost feels like it's on fire. Is is mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, that's. It feels like the of the like the comfort of a fire, sitting around like with loved ones in like a cottage on a snowy day and you've got just the fireplace roaring that that sort of feeling is uh is what i get out of tiger's tiger's eye it's really interesting that you've received that as a gift from multiple people yeah to that yeah i definitely think there is um another i think another meaning of it's um helping you find your true purpose and you know finding your path and I think there's been some like changes going on in my life that kind of relate to that. So yeah, it's interesting like how I feel like the universe kind of gives you what you need. I think that was kind of like a little nudge that maybe I should make some changes. 
and I think it helped me do that. So, um, what wonderful and what a wonderful gift too. Yeah, I want to share the story of the first crystal I ever received, which is what got Please. me into crystals before, and I was into crystals before I really started associating it with something more magical. But I was working as a waitress and. I was pretty depressed at the time, wasn't a great time in my life, and there had been some people that were coming in. It was like a restaurant at a lodge, so they were staying at the lodge, and they'd come in for like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so I was seeing them pretty frequently in that week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just kind of getting to know this couple, they seemed kind of earthy, um, or like, I don't like to use the word hippie, because it kind of has like a bad connotation, but like, hippie in a good way, <laughs> just you know, very loving people. And use hippies freely here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will then. Um, just really beautiful people. And we were having some really good conversations. And on their last day there, the woman said, I think you need this more than I do. And she took the rose quartz crystal that mm. she had around her neck and she took it off and she put it on me. I, I, I think that's like one of the most beautiful things I've ever had happen. Just to feel seen and mm -hmm. to not like I wasn't you know talking about like what was going on but something in her could sense that could sense that I needed that and it really kind of started the ball rolling in a positive way for me like I don't know if I would have gotten into all this without that um so yeah I I wish I would have gotten their like contact information to stay in touch so thank you to those people. I never saw him again. Um, that is uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, they were just on vacation, so they had gone home. So, but yeah, ah, thank okay. you to those people. Yeah, thank you, mystery people. Very uh, sage-like in, in quality there. Yeah. Especially for, uh, for it to be a rose quartz, which is such a healing stone already bringing in a little bit of self-love that I really needed at the time. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're on vacation. Normally you, you bring home souvenirs, right? You don't, you don't give away things. So uh, there must've been, I, I think you hit the nail on the head too. I feel like maybe she just really resonated with uh, seeing either some of that fight in, inside of you or just recognizing, uh, Hey, this stone is uh, ready to move. I find uh, rose quartz is such a beautiful stone to give to, to people going through any sort of fight because it's such a loving stone. Yeah. That's like one of my most commonly gifted stones is a rose quartz. Me too. I used to give them out like uh, like candy left and right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because who doesn't need a little extra love? And they're pretty to look at. I find too, the longer somebody sits with their stone, it takes on such a more vibrant color, it seems like. And uh, you could call that whatever you want to but it to me it seems to same with almost every stone i've really spent time with if you hold a, if you hold a piece of amethyst for long enough and you spend time with it i can almost bet you if you took a photo of it every day after a year it would have such a deep purple to it i i want to try that now that would be really fun to see oh i was gonna see like what is your like daily practice look like or what is what does magic look like in your life? So every day it's re there's research or reading in some form or another. My attention is such, uh, rarely is it on one book unless it's really caught 
caught me. The most recent ones who have done that was, and I've talked about it, I know, off the cast, relentlessly. It was called The Chaos Protocols um, by this cat, Gordon White. If a book like that really catches me, then um, as much reading on that book as I can. Otherwise, it'll generally be some form of research, whether that's going through you know forms on Reddit, seeing I, I'm on Chaos Magic a lot on the subreddit. I like seeing other people's ideas and their approaches or just researching. I'm really into the early starts of magic, finding like shamanistic tribes, figuring out their process and, and how they approach things because some of those early steps, I feel like, are still very relevant and we have kind of lost our old ways. So a lot of research. I also play a lot of, I call them like simple enchantments, if you will. They serve only me, so they're a little selfish, if you will. But uh, every day I'm casting spells. So they are as menial as, there's an intersection I hate on my way to work. I hate this intersection. If, if, you, if you hit the intersection on a red, it's like four minutes before it turns green. It's just not my favorite intersection, right? Yeah. When I am, when I know I'm going to be going through that intersection, I just throw off a simple enchantment where I I picture myself in about four minutes from now when I hit that intersection, that light's going to be green. I'm going to be jamming out to these tunes, probably singing along, and I'm going to fly through that light. So I'll think about that. I'll smile and laugh because I know that's going to happen. And then I'll think about anything else, what work project I need to start on as soon as I get into work. And almost always it's green when I hit it. Or if I'm if I'm walking through, when I'm walking across the street from my parking garage to work, sometimes that intersection can be a little confusing for everybody. So I'll do like the same thing. I'll know when I get to that intersection, it's going to be clear for that moment and I'll just skip along. So I do like a lot of those spells throughout the day. Spells to make the day feel like it's going faster, things to that nature. I try and meditate, but I will admit it is not something I have yet made a habit of doing every day. It's a goal of mine for this year, for sure. I think meditation is something we all need to do more of, whether you practice or not. I think listening to your mind in those dark moments, dark as in you've shut everything else out, not dark like you're uh, really sad is important because it's a good way to check in with where you are really i think sometimes i'll feel like things are going one way and then after i meditate i realize hey i'm actually still dwelling on something that happened a month ago that i i haven't worked through yet and it gives you a chance to to keep yourself right but meditation that i personally want to work more on because i know it's so good for you and it's it can be really hard to make the time to sit down and quiet your brain. And oftentimes it does kind of bring up things that, you know, you need to work on or look at differently. And sometimes if you're not in a good headspace, that can be kind of hard to like accept and acknowledge. And it's also something that I think you kind of need to practice. It's not easy to quiet your brain at first. It's something, you know, the more you do it, the easier you get. So just, you know, being able to be patient with that, like, oh, this didn't go the way I wanted. And not getting frustrated, like I'm just going to try again tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I guess being patient with yourself about it. With magic, especially, but in all aspects, be kind to your progress. I think it's easy to see the end result and see that you're not there yet, but uh, be kind to the fact that you know it takes all these baby steps. Um, I am victim of this often, where I will start 
playing the mind game of like, oh, well, you know, I'm not where I want to be, so I haven't done it yet. And then I have to kind of I have to check myself and say, hey, listen, buddy, you know, you're two steps further than you were the last time you had this check-in. And yeah. the next time you do it, you'll be a couple further along and uh, be kind to that. And uh, like being able to accept that, uh, I don't know, everyone's like journey, like progress is not linear. Your journey is not going to be linear. That's something that I'm trying to, I don't know, be more patient about too. I think sometimes it's easy to see peers and, and maybe where I perceive them to be at in, in different stages of life and feel feel like, uh, oh, maybe I am, I'm not where I envisioned I was going to be or feeling like, oh, maybe even I'm a little bit behind. But I, I have to, you have to remind yourself everybody starts at a different starting point, right? Some people, yeah. some people started you know, 10 meters off the line. Some people started on the line. Some people started without a ride to the race and had to figure out how to get there before they could even get to the line. Yeah. Being, being cognizant of, you know, it's like you said, it's our journey. And what that means for you is the most important thing in the world is figuring out what does your journey look like independent of all the variables? Where do you want to be? For me, my dream is I want to own an apple orchard that has wizard tower somewhere that I can practice alchemy and, and read my books. And uh, I want to go to Ren fairs and sell apples and crafts. And I, I want to have a community of people who live on a big plot of land who we can all work on a communal garden and uh, just practice. And wish we lived in a world without money that we could just explore again. I, I love, I think more than anything, talking to people about this. That's uh, that's my favorite thing to get somebody's outlook or their their journey because um, it's a beautiful thing and it's it's really powerful to share those experiences with other people. Yeah, I agree. It's um, yeah, really fun to see like where other people started, what grasped or what took their interest, and yeah, just. I like to see the growth that it's brought in people. I think that's one of my favorite parts about it is just the personal growth that I've had um, mm -hmm. through magic is really, like you can't really measure that. It's just really, really beautiful. Yeah. If you had any like piece of advice for people starting out, what, is there a particular thing you would recommend that they look into first or a particular school of thought that uh, you think is a good good way to set a foundation? I think just whatever you find interesting. I personally started out like learning the history of it, where it came from, how it started. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice is to not get overwhelmed with all the information out there. I know when I was first starting, like I just wanted to memorize it all and just have this like massive mind bank of information. Um, and that's something that I, I mean, there's just so much to learn. It's, I feel like I'm never going to master any of it, <laughs> like in the sense that it's, you know, I'm going to be looking in my books still and having these resources. Um, and I think that's okay. Just not to get overwhelmed by the information and just keep, just keep going. And I think there's kind of seasons in your life where, you know, it will ebb and flow and not to feel guilt if you don't do anything with it for a month. Um, you know, just 
everyone has their own personal journey and it's not really about the destination. It's about the journey and what you make of that. I like that. Yeah. I personally hope as well that, uh, I see myself as an old man, you know, hunched over some book of correspondences trying to figure out uh, if I can remember which herb went with which stone for which spell. Um, just classic wizard shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I recommend for myself, I would recommend people look into, well, I guess I want to tag on something that Ashley said. Uh, be patient, 100%. And also, there are, you're going to stumble upon subjects or magical practices or rites that are quote-unquote expert level things like astral projection don't don't expect to master or even be able to perform in a month two months six months maybe even a year or two or multiple years there are there are things out there that are possible that require a lot of time dedication effort and um to be kind to that patience that progress and uh just recognize that there are some things that are going to take a lot of time to master. And just to, like Ashley said, recognize that the journey is basically the reward. You, you'll, you'll end up at the destination, but if you are rushing to get there, then that, that learning progress just became kind of a race. If that's what's fun to you, that's what's fun to you. But I think for me, it's watching myself grow slowly. I think energy work <clears throat> is something a lot of people should look into. In fact, we'll do real quick, just a quick uh, practice exercise for my listeners. I recommend you do this with Ashley and I as well. Um, so this is just a quick little energy work exercise. I uh, started doing this when I first did my first forays into magic were specifically aura work. I got really interested in auras and wanting to learn more and see them and feel them. And so this is a way you can feel your own personal energy. If it's something you practice with a lot, you can actually do some fun stuff with them. And, and maybe we'll talk about this again in the future. But what we're going to do is take both of your hands and just uh, put them together like you're clapping. And then with them closed, you're going to rub them just uh, forwards and backwards, just like you're getting some friction going. So do that for a little bit and then let them simmer, kind of stop moving them. And now what you're going to do is you're going to slowly bring your hands apart. And you want to bring them apart about six inches or so. So there's just a, a good amount of space in between your palms. When there's a good amount of space, you're going to slowly close your hands, but don't let them touch. Almost like you're clapping, but very slowly. And what you should start to feel as you do this and keep repeating this is you'll start to feel a little heat in between your palms. My fingers kind of start to ache, almost like... Uh, like an old wood rocking chair. And you'll kind of feel like just a creaking, a heat sensation. If you do it in a very dim room, you might even see a little uh, observation of light in between the palms. But this is a good way to just feel your own energy. And I think becoming close and forming just an in intimate connection with your energy in your in your own kind of field of awareness um, is important because it it's the, it's that field that gives you that feeling like hey you know this doesn't feel right those gut feelings I th I think all that stems from your aura picking things up so energy work is something I recommend people looking into and that includes proper breathing which kind of feeds into the meditations and things like that 
I think everyone should look into divination. I know I've done a segment on that, but learning to read tarot cards or throw runes, things like that, it um, it definitely feels quote unquote witchy. So you kind of get that exposure, but then it also starts giving you a way to um, kind of check in with your future selves and uh, see if you need a heads up on potential obstacles. And it can be fun, like Ashley said, to do it with your friends. And then finally, I'm always going <laughs> to, I'm always going to recommend Chaos Magic. That'll be an, its a own segment again, probably. But uh, Chaos Magic is definitely something that I have been spending a lot of time with these last few years. It is a come-as-you-are, take-what-you-need kind of system. It has a lot of, we'll call it conversation between magic and quantum physics and science and theory. And I find that dance to be really enjoyable. And if if you're somebody who likes reading about quantum physics and mechanics, um, you will really enjoy reading about chaos magic and applying some of those prospects or some of those um, principles to your own life. So that's what I would recommend. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I really have anything else to add. I feel like... Yeah, it was really nice, you know, to hear more about like what got you into it, what your practice looks like. It just, I find it so interesting, you know, how everyone finds different things that resonates with them and just how they apply that in their life to make something meaningful. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I agree. It was really great chatting with you more about all of this and uh, kind of learn more about your journey. Uh, we hope you guys, the listeners, enjoyed this as well. I think this will be a, kind of a style we're going to adopt more going forward, more of a conversational episode rather than um, talking about specific subjects. <clears throat> but there will still be a mix of that. We hope you really enjoyed uh, James's segment at the beginning here. But that will be this week's episode. This is the Cellar Door Society. I'm Jake. I'm Ash. And we are signing out. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.